0: I want us all to have that kind of life, but you know, running a, a business that's working and you're not in, you're not deeply involved in the day to day. You're just kind of overseeing all of the, all of the underlings who are all getting your stuff done and whatever your business is, uh, that requires a lot of work. What's up boss. This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical
1: boss. Stephen, we've arrived. At what? It's another. Uh it's another episode of the abraham's Walt. oh Podcast, it's happening right now Here we are
0: to someone you think somebody is here already pressed play and it's already happening
1: yep wow i just pressed record so that means everything that we say from here out is probably going to be okay handed over to posterity
0: how's your automobiles i'd like to talk about car repair
1: oh really um. See, this is why I love the Abraham's Wallet podcast, because we plan out an episode and we have them ready to go, and then we just zig, and we're going to talk about car repair. Yeah. When it comes to car repair, the thing that's on my mind is the maintenance light is on on my wife's car, which I am oh. about to drive. I'm about to drive that car to Boise, Idaho in about an hour and a half, oh. which is a five hour plus drive and I'm a little bit annoyed because I know that I've been on top of the maintenance, Uh but the car thinks I haven't. And it it was in my heart to take it in just because it said to, even though I am, I'm sure I don't need to. So, Oh, I wish my car was as responsible as I am when it comes to (laughs) keeping records of maintenance.
0: How, how many, uh, how many miles are on this particular vehicle?
1: 70,000.
0: And how old is it?
1: It's a 2014.
0: Okay. So uh, that tells me that it could be absolutely anything. <laughs> That's what that tells me.
1: Well, it's not the check engine light. These what are different. is it? The maintenance light.
0: Maintenance?
1: It's, it's just saying, hey, it's time for you to go in and, and get a checkup. Oh. that If it was the check engine light then I would say, we've got a problem. This can't be driven to Idaho. But you can take a maintenance light to Idaho. That's one of the... Especially if you know that the, it's
0: been maintained.
1: Yeah, you might not want to take a maintenance life light to Maine if you're in Utah, but Idaho, no problem.
0: But my, my question is, if you go into the Jiffy Lube... And you get a twenty-five dollar oil change. Do they know how to reset the maintenance light? Does it always go out? Does it know when it's being maintained?
1: Well, that's the question that I think Ugh. is on my mind: Is did some grease monkey not reset my maintenance calendar?
0: Ah, tell let's me about de- your car repair. Let's not denigrate the, the. Let's not denigrate the people who can work on cars.
1: Do. Do they not like being called grease monkeys? I thought that was a colloquial term of endearment.
0: Oh, okay. Well, all right. Maybe I'm being unnecessarily sensitive for them. I was just going to tell people to f- make friends with people who are good at cars because I'm enjoying the benefits of that recently. Um, I had a couple of prayer meetings and then just it was kind of an open call to guys that want to get up early in the morning and come pray. I met a guy there who, when he walked in, said, uh, who's, "Who's awesome Land Cruiser is that out there?" And uh, I said, "That's that's my awesome Land Cruiser." Oh, that's a that's a hauling mother. That's a rocking ride, something like that. And then he said, "You should you should bring it out to my house. I got a lift at my house. I'll take a look at it." Okay, take a look at it. And um, dot, 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 many, 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 many dollars have been saved and many things fixed already and more, more getting fixed because of this guy, including this winter produced, I had a tiny, uh, ding in my windshield, you know, from a rock or something. And guess what? The winter did the cool, the cooling and heating of the windshield expanded the cracks. So now, I got a bum windshield, and I'm thinking, that's going to be several hundred dollars. Uh, You know what you got to do? You got to contact your uh, insurance, see what your policy is. Sometimes uh, you'll have a low deductible, get that uh, replaced. I had no idea what my car insurance policy was. And the answer is, it was a $0 deductible to have my car windshield replaced, and... I said, so you'll replace any glass on my car. That's not working. Yeah. I said, how about my rear glass? Because the, the little defrost lines, the magic lines that go around the rear windshield, those, those don't work. She goes, we'll replace it for free. Okay, please do that. So my, I feel like my car's getting a new lease on life because of this, uh, uh, grease monkey who showed up at uh prayer. <laughs>
1: How's that Make, passage, How's that driver's side window? Is that rolling up and down these days?
0: It certainly is.
1: Okay, It certainly is. You loaned me your car when it was brand new, and I was honored that you would do such a thing. But uh, I remember going to roll the window down three minutes into my drive, and I just hear the sound of cracking, oh. crunching glass, and. <laughs> This is the, the Land Cruiser that you had just gotten from some East Coast fancy yeah. restoration operation, and I just heard the window shatter into itself, and it was not. The why best did you moment. Des-
0: Why did you destroy my window?
1: Well, in such I an, just an aggressive way. Down. Oh, I just you're just, down like, you just like you just run board.
0: around rolling windows down willy nilly.
1: I don't know that your experience is just going to be applicable across the board to our listeners, because I will say there is a there is an enthusiasm for the Land Cruiser that I have experienced in Cincinnati that same trip when I was driving your car around. Uh. I had at least two people in Land Cruisers <laughs> give me the most enthusiastic double thumbs up that I've ever gotten for Go team. just driving Go team, by them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the guys was pretty obviously deep into this this lifestyle. He had uh-huh. the the '70s Land Cruiser with the jacked up and the snorkel and all. You gotta stuff.
0: have, yeah. You gotta have the big rack. Uh, hopefully, there's a ladder going up the back or the side. You know, it's, yeah. In and case you, gotta... you need
1: to go sleep up there, if there's <laughs> hyenas or something like that, right.
0: for refuge. Yeah. Uh huh. If you're if in you're six foot land, waters, yeah. Six foot waters, the snorkel is just keeping it going, and you have to stay up on the roof and steer with your leg,
1: yeah, well, sometime, not today, I would love to do an episode, and we'll let the we'll let the fans tell us if this sounds awful, but <laughs> something that you have have kind of been modeling to me for many years, and go on uh, I'm, I'm, I never picked ears. up was the uh, caring for your things in general, oh, but yeah. specifically caring for your vehicle. Yeah. And so I, I got the, the Tundra that we wrote an article about last year and it's been great. I really like it. And I've, it's like, sometimes it takes a switch in order to really feel like you're going to be able to stay on top of this, you know, yeah. uh, whether that's moving into a new house and you finally feel like, okay, we're going to keep this one straight or a car. Well, with that one I've been really striving to maintain it. And um maybe maybe we could have a little episode on taking care of your things, but then we have a we have a connection here in Salt Lake who is an avid listener of the podcast who oh. also runs a car detailing business. Oh. oh. And he, he's a detailer to the stars. Um, oh, but one thing that that He showed me as he he looked at the way I was detailing with Armor All and all these products, and he's like, dude, this it. is going to destroy your vehicle over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And he hooked me up with all doesn't, the good doesn't stuff. Doesn't Armor
0: All kind of like steal the moisture from your stuff or it, 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 it well, dries it
1: out somehow? This would have been helpful for you to tell me back when you were showing me how to like clean the nooks and crannies of my car but yeah tell give uh, us give us
0: a give us a nugget here on on the old
1: podcast well what i really want to do is you know last week we did a little we did a little uh advertisement
0: yeah so maker's corner
1: yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll do the same for we should
0: highlight this guy's business he should give you a free detail on your car to pay for the ad and then we could tell everybody in the Salt Lake City area to use this guy.
1: Here's the cool thing: is he he told me all the right gear to use, and then they've got an e-commerce shop where you can get it all. Whoa! And I don't think this guy has to pay for his ad because um, a we don't we don't do that here at the Abraham's Wallet Podcast. But b I ordered well, we, a couple. We, we things. Would take friends. We take friends. I ordered a couple things stuff. from this fella. And he hand delivered a giant box of things and said, "Here, you need this, and you need this, what? and need this." So, this guy—I mean—did you tell
0: him it takes two people to make this podcast? Did you t- did you make that clear?
1: <laughs> well, this was about six months ago, so I've—oh
0: my word!
1: But that excites but we could probably, me. Probably, maybe, maybe in in the next month. Um, you know, we're kind of focusing on our business. We're focusing on insurance. So you gave a, a nice little preview of one little insurance perk you might not know about. Yeah, that's uh, right. For Free April. windshield but repair. maybe we, maybe we dive into automotive maintenance a little bit and not just getting oil changes. That would be a fun episode.
0: Let's do that. And you, you, you or your friend, uh, I don't want to know the name of the business right now. You or your friend write up some copy so that we can hype his deal. By the way, speaking of that, you know what I'm look, you know what I'm fiddling with in my in my hot little hands right now. I'm fiddling with my pad of of note cards from Stick to Scripture right here in my hand.
1: Bind and Impress, yes. And
0: it it my my Bind and Impress Stick to Scripture pad replaced all Post-it notes in my home. Like that, I would much rather be writing my notes on top of Acts four twenty than, than just a plain yellow pad. So I'm all over it. Stick to scripture. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. Ours came in the mail a few days ago. And so delightful. Yeah. Bindandimpress.com. Bind and impress. Get yourself, yeah. get yourself some, uh, sticky notes with the word of God on them. Yeah. All right. So this week we're taking a little bit of a pause on episodic long series that explore topics in depth. And we're going to just talk about an article that caught my eye and some truths that, that everybody might be able to take away from it when it comes to, um,
0: seasons of imbalance. So there are, there's a couple of ways that we come up with the things that we're going to talk about. One is we just have a long laundry list of topics that we want to eventually get to on the podcast because we think that people need them. And so we're, we'll eventually work our, work, work our way through them. That list seems to be getting longer than shorter in our minds. But we also have sort of um, emergency new, newsworthy events that cross our monitor, such as when GameStop was going bananas, and we thought we should address that so that you do not having to, I don't know, trust whatever your local news ding-dongs are saying about, um, about GameStop and then there also be something that's based on relationships for us whether it's conversations sometimes it's uh listeners or readers who write in um sometimes it's in the course of our work that we're having conversations and we realize oh that's kind of a that that's a problem that has emerged a couple of times so why don't we just uh nip it in the bud as barney Fife used to say so uh what we're going to talk about is um is uh seasons of imbalance. I'll throw it to you as soon as I set it up with this. I was thinking about the fact that the seasons of our lives, they change, you know, they, they're always in flux. We, we tend to find a, um, a rut that we like. We kind of like, I like the way my life is working right now. I'm at this, I'm at this stage of my career. I'm doing good on my money. Kind of like where my kids are at. I really liked it, for instance, when my kids were at four and six years old. I thought, boy, this is a great age. They, they, they have this parental kind of, I don't know, worship going on where they just receive and my kids are obedient and they're fun. And we, the fact is that our lives never stop and, and, and that we're never in a season forever. What are you smirking at? Keep going. They're always in flux, and the scriptures represent this. You, you might have heard if you listen to an oldies radio station. The birds had a song in 1965, um, and and they had a season. They had a song that said, "For every season, turn, turn," which is crazy. Now I know that the 60s was a sexual revolution, which uh, would end up destroying our society. Um, however, imagine imagine a day when the the hipsters, the young people the uh, Gen Zers uh, started to put out music where they just wrote uh, music against uh, wisdom scripture and put that out as hit music. I can't even conceive of that, but that's what happened in 1965. And the Birds put this passage of scripture to music. It's Ecclesiastes 3, and it says this. I'm going to read the whole thing because we're only going to address a couple of these, but it's amazing to just read this. This is wisdom scripture. This is the Bible, and it comes against much of what's said these days. So I'll read uh, eight verses. For everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. That's what we're going to be talking about, the times to build up or break down. A time to weep, that is seasons of grief. A time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. Also what we're talking about. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, if you're 21 years old and dating. A time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So there are seasons, and we have to, our job, one of our jobs as family leaders, is to be able to read the signs of the times, which is what Jesus castigated people for not understanding how to read the signs of the times, and we need to be able to read the signs of the times in our household and understand that there are seasons when everything is kind of normal, and there are also, as we are going to discuss, seasons of imbalance.
1: Yes, and just to set the the scene for why I even came up with this as a topic, I was scrolling through Twitter, which is not a recommended hobby, but I was doing uh. it, and what happened is um, somebody posted an article that caught my eye, and it said, I've looked this up since, and it's all over the place, so if you just Google some of these terms, you'll find it. But uh, it said Goldman Sachs analysts Feel abused by 24 hour, or sorry, by 95 hour work weeks That are being required of them And then the article goes on to explain this this Kerfuffle Inside of Goldman where there was a, Some grou- a Group of analysts who said This is tantamount to uh, Abuse and slavery that were Being asked to work these many hours And that's fine, I have thoughts on that that we might get to at the end, but um, what was being promoted by the person who shared this article was um, can you believe that a company would require such a inhumane work scenario for somebody and um, what I took from that was really something that I've noticed in the water, uh, which is that. I think a lot of people feel like they're supposed to have it all all the time in equal measure. Uh, So that means the day I graduate college, I get a job that pays me everything I need to make financially. That gives me, you know, I'm I'm at home in front of my TV by five o'clock every day. Um, I have a nice leisurely lunch hour, all these things. Uh, I work for a company that has deep personal meaning to me and i'm connected to the right. mission and vision. right
0: right right um it so aligns with what i feel is my calling
1: yes and i just wanted to kind of talk about that because of a couple conversations that i had with listeners in the past week which were fun and also just to address this general we've talked about it actually in articles before but there's a general sense that uh you know I get to ask for all of it, and if the world doesn't give it to me, that's, that's abuse or, or slavery even, were words that were bandied about in these articles. Yes. Um, Very popular so words. to start out with, I would point everyone who's interested in this conversation back to a series of articles we put up on abrahamswallet.com, ah. which uh, was called Build Wealth Like an Ant. And you guys might remember when we wrote those, but one of the key components of the that article series, which is actually based on proverbs six, six through eight I'm going to tell you what that says. It says, "Go to the ant, o sluggard, consider her ways and be wise without having any chief officer or ruler she prepare she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest when you're trying to do this this Financial and home building thing that we talk about on here all the time. I just think it's important to know that working hard for a season is pretty much required, whatever path you choose to take. And I, I think we talked about this when we talked about this article, but it seems to me that that is still not common common knowledge. That there might be the first two to ten years for some people. It's going to be longer. Um, after you get out of high school or college or whenever you're ready to actually start building your household, that you need to just be scouring the world for skills, like where can I go to learn things? And one of the skills that I think you need to go get somehow is the skill of just knowing how to bury yourself working hard at something. Um, So I always think, for me, back to high school wrestling. I was a high school wrestler, and I actually... Did not enjoy it. I kind of hated it, um, <laughs> but it was really hard. Those practices were really hard, and still to this day, if there's something physical that I'm going to have to do that's hard, I am. it is most easy for me to think of that in six-minute chunks because that's the length of a wrestling match, and I just remember, okay, I know what it feels like to be maxed out for six minutes. So working hard physically, I learned there. Uh, I have some friends who went to the military, and that's where they acquired this skill. They just said, well, I'm not I'm not going to go sit in an office for for 100 hours a week like some people, but I need to develop this, so maybe I can go to the military, and they'll teach me how to work hard. Um, but personally, and I guess the reason this article probably jumped out to me, I got this skill in terms of my professional life in the world of finance, and you know, it was unpleasant to have a boss sit there and sort of revel in the the hours that he was going to require of you. Sometimes it was just masochism because I was like, we could do this faster. There's more efficient ways to do it. And it would be like, no, just make these changes to, to this presentation and then come see me in an hour. And I'm like, it's 11 o'clock at night. Why would I come back in an hour? I could do it in the next three minutes right here in your office. Um, And I don't think that that's the the lifestyle pattern that we want for our whole lives. I actually don't think it's compatible with most of the family building stuff we talk about here. But in that period of intense work and um, long hours... I learned how to really put my nose to the grindstone in a non-physical setting. And I also learned the value of excellence. Um, You know, I would pour over things at 9 p.m. because I knew if I brought something and it had any error whatsoever, I was going to be there till 2 in the morning um, just being tortured. So, I think that this is maybe a lost skill. I don't know what you've seen, Stephen. you, you hang out with young guys and, and middle-aged guys. And I just hear a lot of people that, that don't value this enough to say there's going to be a time in my life where I am going to voluntarily seek out this type of really intense, uh, working experience.
0: Yeah. I think it's pretty, pretty much absent everywhere. Just recently, our senior pastor spoke to our staff and was really trying to lean on them that like guys, uh, the the world is kind of opening back up. Um, we're, we're coming out of our holes. We're kind of stopping virtual everything. And, um, Uh, We we need to get back into the people business where you get up early to, for instance, take high schoolers to school so you can create some relationships or stay out late with college kids because that's when they're available so that you can create relationships, etc. And you could just feel a (laughs) reluctance throughout the room, just like, uh, we were not planning on that. And I, I. I mean, we spend time around college kids, and I don't even see in the college kids what I remember being my life in school, which, you know, I don't even know if this is a phrase anymore, pulling an all-nighter, but but gosh, that happened so much for me in college, where it's like, I have to read half of this book in two days. How am I possibly going to find the time to do that? And that's what isn't that what education is? I mean, as we start, as we describe seasons of your life, isn't aren't aren't your educational seasons? They're not immediately for money, right? You you don't get paid to go to school. You're paying to go to school, and you are putting in massive amounts of time, tons of mental energy. Your whole life is engineered around how does it will it compete with my educational goals here you know i worked through school but it had to be weird hours weird jobs so that it could fit with my with what i was doing educationally and that was a, that was a around the clock consideration um even to well how how can the weekends work well when when do finals happen when are when are my exams i might not be able to do anything this weekend because i'm going to have an exam monday morning that I'm going to have to work on through the weekend. Anyhow, uh, just, uh, it's a long answer to say, I don't I, I don't see that anywhere. Um, I, I don't see, even in guys who are starting um, new businesses, I don't see a hunker down and I'm going to go dark here for four to six months while I get this thing started. Uh, I see this expectation that you're describing, which is I should have it all at all times. There should be balance. I should have work-life balance all times. The military, I think, is the only place that I think we can still recommend as a harbor for... I think of J.D. Vance, who described he grew up in poverty. He didn't have two parents. His mother was an addict. He didn't understand personal discipline at all. He didn't know how to how to get work done. He didn't know how to run a schedule. And he went into the Marines... Specifically, because he had ambitions, and he thought, if I go into the Marines, they can they can teach me how to handle myself, and then I can pl- apply that everywhere. So, I, I I'm gonna I'll set you up here, but the, the answer to your question is I don't see it anywhere. Um, I think a major point that we would want to make would be when you look at the five capitals, and I'll let you describe those to people. When you look at the five capitals of our lives, um, sometimes we have to focus on one to the cost of the others because this thing is on fire and it needs some emergency attention. Um, and it and it might even be we you know financial is the last one, but that one might be an emergency, and you might have to you might every everything else might have to suffer while you have a season of imbalance towards uh, finances or whatever. So why don't you talk to us about uh, five capitals and how you you see that?
1: When we talk about five capitals, what we mean is that there's five areas in which a person can build capital in their lives. You know, when we say the word capital, a lot of people think we just mean money. And I would say, so what they are is, spiritual being the most valuable. And then in descending order, we have relational capital, um, physical capital, intellectual capital, and finally financial capital. We might even be over indexing for some of these in kind of the culture that you and I had just described to say, Hey, it's all about, um, maybe relational. I, I think there's the idea of like purpose capital that exists yeah. out there. Um, You know, like, it doesn't matter if I make $100,000 a year and can feed my family. Uh, That job's just not my purpose, so I'm going to go make $8 an hour. Yeah. Um, So, um, even if we just boil it down to one area, though, financial capital, and say, uh, I've talked on here before about, like, the Talmudic portfolio. So, the Talmud talks about... um, you should have a third of your assets in financial assets, a third in business assets, and a third in real estate. And I think that's actually a fairly wise way to diversify your financial assets. Um, But I tell people all the time who have heard that or come to me and say, hey, I've I've only got my 401k at work. You don't build these things up at the same time. When you're 25, you're not supposed to have a third, a third, a third. You might not have a house yet. You might live in a place where it's unreasonable to have saved up for a down payment by that time. Um, But sometimes in your life, you might have 80% or 90% of your net worth in real estate or in a business that you've been working to get off the ground. And other times, you might have been you might've done what we just talked about and said, I'm going to take that job where I can just work my tail off and learn how to run a business. And you went to P and G and got a job. And now almost all your net worth is in that, uh, 401k plan. That's not a bad thing. Uh, what we're doing is trying to get to where at the end there's balance in these areas. So, um, that means there's going to be seasons of life where you're really just pushing one of the balls up the court. It's not everything moving at the same time. Well, I was um, thinking
0: that even those, those Goldman Sachs guys, like, what do they not understand that besides getting the big fat paycheck, that the experience they have doing that job is going to pay them for the rest of their lives in, in whatever field that they go into?
1: Yeah, and this is where I have a lot of friends who are Goldman Sachs alums and alums of other investment banks in Manhattan, and I don't know what's changed. Maybe these people that this article was based on is a rogue group, but it's kind of like, again, thinking about how guys talk about being in military service. A lot of those guys talk about it as being very hard, but one of the most uh, rich uh, times of their life in terms of personal growth all the guys i know who went through this experience are a not doing it anymore i know that exists there are people who just kind of get sucked into the beast and and sure decide to fall in love with money and that's no good um but most of them did it for two years and then they're doing totally different things i think about friends of mine that are they go for a road bike ride at 4.30 in the afternoon every day, and they're managing wealth for a, for a rich family or something like that. Um, but the reason that they can do that is because they de- developed all the skills they needed through its time of trial and hard work. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a conscious decision. Hey, I'm young, and I can do this for a couple years and really press into it so that later, when I'm most needed in my home, I am going to be available. I don't have to be out there working on the assembly line and getting paid by the hour. I can develop skills that will actually scale so that that I'm actually available to do the types of things that are, are going to be important for me when I'm 40 years old. So the reason that this all came up in my mind and was worth having a conversation about on the podcast was because I, I had a couple listeners. I had three conversations this week with listeners. Um, one of them, uh, I just want to bless him publicly right now because he said that the financial ratios episode was his favorite one in recent memory. Wow. And I thought, you're a special guy. <laughs> so That's great. Um so there's, there's a little something for everyone. It's it's not 100% of our audience who just wants more Stephen Manuel and less Mark Parrott.
0: Uh, that's right. Uh,
1: but all three of these guys I talked to were in similar spots where they were saying, there's an opportunity in front of me. I could jump on it. It seems like the right opportunity. But if I do, I'm going to have to not have balance completely across my financial life for a while. Maybe it's an opportunity to do something that I will have to stop saving in order to pursue Um, or my income's going to drop a lot. I I think we see that a lot with guys who are considering going back and getting more education because they need it to take a next step. And a lot of people go, is that a bad choice? Is that a good choice? Um, And I just thought all three of these guys needed permission to say it's okay to push pause on some areas of the development of your household in order to really accelerate one thing, take advantage of an opportunity. And I thought, man, we should give the whole podcast audience the same permission.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, we we have recorded a podcast that's going to be released uh, in the next couple of weeks um, with Mark Douglas talking about the Sabbaths in his home. And he, he made a statement in there that I think I think we put it at the top as as our kind of like a trailer moment at the beginning. And he made the point that because God has given us autonomy in our homes, we can exploit that however we want to whatever we think is fun, whatever we think is interesting, whatever we think will captivate the hearts of our children, whatever we think will lead our wives to bloom. We get to invent it from the ground up and actually have fun with that. So um, I, I, I'm agreeing heartily with the idea that um, men need to feel that they have permission to, um, to be uh, imbalanced um, in, in seasons and go like, you know what, this is going to be a hard season, but it's, it's going to be the best thing for a family long term. Um, that, that you could consider that as summer camp, or some day, day something as small as sending your kid away to summer camp, and now you could be sitting at the Sabbath table that Friday night, while your kid is off at summer camp, and you and and your wife is crying because this isn't how I imagined our our family being. The children are away, and we're not connected with. And, and you would go like, "Hey, honey." it's one week and it's really good for them and it's good for us and there's positives here but we can th- we can think in that myopic about all sorts of seasons of our life um and and we have to we have to really adjust the gears when we have young children because of the demands of having an infant or a toddler we have to adjust the gears when dad's getting a graduate degree, as you said. We have to adjust the gears when we're starting a new business. It's just wise for us to do that. And I, I especially want to underline what, what you said there. Um, I, I've had a couple of conversations with uh, single guys. And, and it's amazing how, how single guys can want to have the lifestyle of of 40-year-old family men when exactly as you said um, co- coming out of school it really is a time to thrust yourself headlong into something and if that's military work great if that's starting a, a, a business great but my goodness go for it this this verse has been coming to my mind so much lately it's it's lamentations 327 Simple little line here. It's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. And so that's, it's referring to godly discipline and whatever the discipline is, but it's good to bear the yoke while you're young. As you have just said, to undergo something difficult in your youth will pay off for the rest of your life. Um um, I, I didn't go work at Goldman Sachs for 95 hours um, a week, although I will throw this in. Our our listeners, our longtime listeners, are familiar with uh, my dad, Roger Manuel, and he, I think that we, t- I'm sure that we talked about this and we talked about um, financial uh, uh, disasters of their lives, but in his, uh, he was in his 70s when he took a job Overseas in Kosovo, working a hundred hours a week, because they had endured financial disasters and lost their retirement money, and so my dad took this <laughs> extreme job, um, and and he did it for three years. And he just there was a season where they experienced all kinds of pain. I mean, relational pain and spiritual pain and. Um, all, you know just just all kinds of stuff because he thought this is what I need to do for my family but uh what I did after school was I went and I was a short-term missionary for three years when I finished college um because I was trying to devote uh time t- for spiritual capital I I want to I want to develop my relationship with God I want to develop ministry skills whatever that might mean um and I can confidently say i've been reaping the benefits of that training ever since so uh certainly when you are young when you don't have a family to care for you should you should go for it you you should see life as a training ground there's a there's an oily guy named robert kiyosaki who who just des- just describes the fact that your jobs particularly your early jobs in the first say 15 years of your career you should see all of those jobs as educational opportunities so you should go wherever they can teach you something throw yourself into it he he worked for xerox because um because he said they had the best training program that he knew of for sales and he wanted to be good at sales so he just did that job for three years did every kind of training they had given him and then he moved on to the next thing anyhow I'm, yes, wholeheartedly agree.
1: Aside from Robert Kiyosaki having made up most of the stories he tells in in his books, uh-huh. there's a lot of wisdom to kind of how he uh. how he approaches things. <laughs> um. So there's one last point I wanted to make on this, and then we'll wrap it up. But um, I think that as men, you know, I'm the reason I'm headed out to Boise here in a few minutes is because I'm going to attend a kind of rite of passage thing for one of my friend's sons who's growing up and he wants kind of a first shot at having men that know him or in his life help initiate him into a a next step towards manhood. That's cool. Um, Yeah, and we could probably do a whole episode about that at some point. But I think that... One of the things that probably our grandparents, when I think of your dad, uh I, I doubt that he um got on whatever the nineteen sixty equivalent of social media was and said, Guys, I'm just so angry that I don't have a job that scratches my deepest emotional right, and exactly meaning right. needs right now. Um I think that might be something that we're losing a bit, and I would just love to throw out an encouragement to our guys who listen to us to consider not um, whatever you want to call it. You use the word snowflake. I know that, that can be a loaded political term. But what I would encourage the guys that are listening to, to do is to consider not indulging the cultural um, swell that is going to push you towards... Um, Complaining or uh, feeling like you deserve, like kind of what you just said, Stephen, Right. deserve to have all the benefits of someone who has diligently worked hard for right. a very long time on the day you pop out into the world. Maybe even on the day that you become the leader of a family. Let's say you're married and have a kid. You still might be in that season that we talked about at the top of the episode that is the work hard while it's summer phase of your life. Uh, yes. Like I said, that's that's not a, a definitive term for anybody. Some people, it's going to be a year and they're just going to be blessed with, wow, you're a genius and started a business and it blew up and you yes. hired 50 people. By the time you're 24, great. Uh, other people are going to really focus most of the harvesting phase of their life on the time when they're grandparents—that's when you're going to start harvesting. Yeah. Um, and not one of those is is a sign that you're you're doing better than than the other. It's just I think the Lord has different paths, and it's very unbecoming of us as Christian men to go out there and act like we deserve oh my. to to have the the benefits of a lifetime of diligent hard work just because we were born in America.
0: Yeah. That's great. I have to, I have to insert an anecdote here. I'm trying to think of what year it was. It's probably 2014. It was kind of, uh, I don't know what you'd call them. Halcyon days in my life. Um, I was in the process of selling, uh, the, the hair salon I'd started. And, and so I was, I was making much money every month for doing nothing because the guy was buying it from me. So he was buying as fast as he could. So all the profits from that thing came to me. Um, uh, I was was writing movies that were getting produced and put on network TV. As I was writing those movies, an album that I had made, an album that I had finished, those songs were being used on the soundtracks of those movies. So now I'm making money on stuff that I did for fun and being asked to write other songs. I'm going to LA and hanging out in the studio. And um,
1: This was the time in your life when you actually hung out with Randy from American Idol, right? Yeah, that's
0: right. That's right. Randy from American Idol. Um, and at my, at my part-time work at uh, the church, um, I kind of had a, um, I don't want to overstate. I just had a role where, I kind of had some relational capital built up so that I could occasionally put my foot down and say, this is not the direction that we should be going while I kept plugging away in the corner, making disciples, um, and seeing great fruit doing that. Okay. So that, that's the setup of my life. Uh, and I had, I, I was, it was probably those same days I was referring to earlier. Where my kids were about four and six and a guy stopped by my desk one day. Is it just a younger guy, newer on staff, sat down at my desk and said um, in a completely innocent uh, way, um, I would like to have your life. So what would I have to do? You, I know you work here part time and you don't really worry about the money of working here part time. My wife was also doing this event planning business and it was going great and so you because you're not beholding to to uh the church you know trying to weigh your words just right because you're scared of losing your job you 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 have the freedom to kind of be who god's called you to be and kind of do your thing and how do i how could i have your life and he meant in the next month as i talked to him i realized he meant Help me make the moves so that I can enjoy the freedom and, I don't know, authority that you seem to have. And I I said, well, you'd have to start by having my parents, I suppose. Uh, then you would have had to uh, do three years after uh, a very strange academic career and go be a missionary. And then you'd have to start these businesses that we're collecting. And then you'd have to have these creative things that you do on your own time until they occasionally make money on their own, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, I think that really, I mean, he walked away from my desk and I just scratched my head thinking, "Do you, you don't really think, do you, that just making a couple of moves in, in a couple of months would get you the benefits of, you know, 20 years of work? Or how, I mean, how long, how long have I been studying how to write a song? A very, very, very long time. And uh, I I wouldn't discourage anybody from wanting to have that life. I I want, I want us all to have that kind of life, but you know, running a a business that's working and you're not, you're not deeply involved in the day to day. You're just kind of overseeing all of the all of the underlings who are all getting your stuff done and whatever your business is uh, that requires a lot of work to get there, a lot of work. And so we don't, you can't ever just roll out of bed and go, I had a great idea. Um, can I, can I play a uh, Mark Zuckerberg? Can I play that role today? Uh, can you even conceive of the amount of time that guy, that guy has put in to, to, to be doing what he's doing?
1: Yeah. That's all good. That's all I wanted to talk about today is just uh I didn't mention the absurdity of people referring to themselves as human slaves who are making a couple hundred grand a year, but good. Uh, we could have talked about that too.
0: Well, let me close out with this passage because I I feel like we we want we want to have in this episode given people permission to have seasons of imbalance and also if you're on the front end or you're in the middle of a season of imbalance and you feel like all i see right now is my small business uh, and and god bless the wife she's dealing with the kids but i'm trying to build this thing i'm trying we are our, our marriage is suffering that's a fact while we try to get this thing off the ground and we we agreed on it i'm i'm assuming that all's well in your marriage and in your spiritual life and we agreed on this as something we wanted to do together. And man, it's just tough for a while or whatever, whatever your scenario is that you're in a season of imbalance, even if it's to pursue the Lord, like I described doing mission work and and at the cost of other things. When I knew I'm not going to make any money, I'm not going to find a wife while I'm out here on the mission field. I'm trying to pursue the Lord with everything. So you, you could have a season that's weighted spiritually. You could have a season that's weighted intellectually while you're in school. You could have a season that is weighted towards work life and uh, gaining money, you know, to establish something. But this would be my encouragement. It's Ecclesiastes 11. Um, Again, more wisdom literature. I hope this is a common passage for people. It's very important for To me, and understanding how finances work, Ecclesiastes 11 says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Now, you don't have to trust me to interpret this passage. Rabbis for millennia have understood Ecclesiastes 11 to be about money and investment. And that when it says, Cast your bread upon the waters, it is sending out uh, investment money with as much skill as you know how, but then doing that in faith that it's going to return to you. So let me read it again. Cast your bread upon the waters for after many days, you will find it again. Give portions to seven. Yes, even to eight. And that means to divide it up and to send it into different directions for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If the clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth so you you might be in farming and you can just you just know based on the way that the soil has tested based on the climate patterns you're seeing this is the time to plant squash this is the field for strawberries and you whatever your field is it might be auto mechanic work and you realize i need to invest in new digital equipment because All these cars have just going to be Teslas everywhere and it's computer screens and I got to, I don't know what your thing is, but if the clouds are full of water means if conditions are ripe, when you enter into this deal, they will pour rain upon the earth. So if, if you're in a season imbalance of, of imbalance right now and the clouds are full of water, they're going to pour rain upon the earth. And so it's not. It's not insignificant for you to give a season to to uh, of imbalance for whatever your deal is, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there will it lie. Whoever watches the wind. Now, this is just a when this little section on investing. There's a little warning at at the at at the end of this section. This is Ecclesiastes eleven four. It's a warning against laziness. It says, whoever watches the wind will never plant. And whoever looks at the clouds will never reap. And so I I just want to say to everybody, when you're in a season of of, of imbalance, you are planting, 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 believing that there's going to be a harvest coming someday. Biblically, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to have hope that um, whoever uh, plants will reap a harvest. We're supposed to do that with all the diligence and skill that we have. But we also know, and this is why this pat, this verse two is important, it says to do it in seven or eight uh, divisions, because you don't know what disaster will come upon the land. The point being, you don't really know which one of those is going to pay off. You don't really know which one is going to turn up roses, which is why in a Jewish mindset, we diversify what we're doing, because we don't really know. So... I just wanted to bless everybody who's in a who's in a season of imbalance, whether you're in school or starting a business or raising little kids, whatever you're doing right now. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it with all your heart. Um, Don't don't have a complaining, griping heart for where you are. Be grateful that you have the opportunity to to put your hand to the plow Um, and uh, returning to that Leviticus passage that uh, you can bear the yoke while you're young and and go after it. I just want you guys to feel from us here at Abraham's Wallet an endorsement to go get it.
1: Go get it, Tiger. Amen. I think that's a good place to shut it down for this week. So <laughs> Great.
0: Let's shut it down then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My hope is that we're going to be bringing you a, uh, a fun episode in the next, I don't know, seven to to 14 days oh now what's the definition of fun episode it means one mean? about how to how to take care of your your dash your dashboard wood and your oh. your oh, steering wheel fun. and what if you have those perforated leather oh. seats how are you supposed to clean those suckers
0: yeah what do you do what do you do because you got the air coming up under your rump for the long drive yeah Florida. well Oh, some of us, wonderful. some
1: of us don't have the air-conditioned seats, but we can all aspire to eldership in that regard. <laughs> that's um, right. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. And this week, we're out. My name's Mark, and this is Abraham's Wallet. See ya, Stephen. Bye, guys.